Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. Today I'm going to talk about the question, Was Solomon saved? As Christians, we fellowship with one another based on our position with God, not a position we have earned, but a position by the mercy extended to us when we believed on the name of Jesus Christ, who was God incarnate and gave himself as an atonement for our sins. By this, we are born again because of faith in him. When it comes to people in our current life, we're always working on unity and love based on that truth. When it comes to reading about or things written by others, it is also important to be evaluating whether what they say and do is based on that as well. This includes people we read about in the Bible. Some are clearly rebellious and evil, never claiming to have faith or showing any signs of it. Jezebel comes to mind, Haman and Esther also, as well as lots of people before the flood, and Goliath. Then there are people who were wicked and rebellious and obviously guilt-ridden, but still there's no record of them repenting, like Cain, King Zedekiah, and King Herod, and even Pilate. Another group is people who were quite bad, but then at some point in their life, they honestly and humbly repented. King Manasseh of Judah, the son of Hezekiah, and Paul, formerly Saul, are examples of this. Some people were following God their whole lives, but have some pretty horrible choices that were forgiven, but messed up their lives and the lives of those around them. The most obvious examples of this are Abraham, King David, and Hezekiah. Now, Noah is kind of between this group and the next group. There are a few men about whom nothing bad is recorded, such as Joseph, the son of Jacob, and Daniel of Lion's Den fame, and also Stephen the martyr. They obviously weren't perfect, as no one is except Jesus Christ, but they seem to have led exemplary lives. Then there are the confusing people who gave every sign of following and loving God, but then made choices and lived lives of great wickedness. Joash, also called Jehoash, is easier to understand. We read about him in Second Kings, because with him we have no indication that he was doing other than what he was influenced by others. When the priest was influencing him, he did good things, and as soon as the priest was gone, he was easily influenced by the wicked people. Solomon, on the other hand, was his own man. The question of Solomon's faith is more important because, one, he built the temple, and two, he wrote parts of the Bible. It is really the second point that is the most important. Sure, God gave Solomon special wisdom, but would it have a place in the Bible, and how should we view it if he wasn't one of the righteous by faith, Old Testament believers? First, it is clear that Solomon wrote many of the Proverbs and Song of Solomon, which are solidly established as Old Testament books way before the time of Christ. 
As we discussed when reading Ecclesiastes, it is less certain that he wrote the entire book, though he does seem to be quoted in it. Whether those quotes stand in a different light than, say, the dialogue of the likes of Pharaoh or Herod is more the question. Dialogue recorded in the scripture still all points to Christ, but individual comments are not necessarily of God. For example, Satan tempting Jesus. Ecclesiastes, at least, seems to be incomplete and almost joyless wisdom from Solomon. But then also Solomon wrote Psalm 72 and 127. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says that the prophecy of the scripture came through holy men of God, speaking as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. While we have examples of men such as Saul having God's Spirit falling on him, he was nowhere called a holy man of God, and he didn't write any scripture. To be holy means to be devoted to, and when it says of God, that makes it clear who these holy men are devoted to. Luke one seventy says something similar. Prophecy does not just mean telling the future. It means, according to Strong's, a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God. This seems to put Solomon squarely in the category of a holy man of God. Now, 1 Kings 11, 1 through 9, say King Solomon's heart was turned after other gods, but the language always hedges just enough toward not completely abandoning God such as in chapter 11, verse 4, where it says his heart was not perfect with the Lord, and chapter 11, verse 6, where it says King Solomon went not fully after the Lord. Also, Second Chronicles eleven seventeen says that for three years they walked in the way of David and Solomon. And in 2 Samuel 7, verses 14 through 15, God says that if King Solomon commits iniquity, he will be chastised, but God's mercy would not depart from him like it did from Saul. There is an obvious lack of reference to any repentance by King Solomon for his wickedness. Unlike King David, there is no record of King Solomon asking for forgiveness. The story pretty much ends with God being angry and Solomon just trying to fight off the adversaries that are his consequences. One thing is sure, Solomon is evidence that all the wealth, wisdom, and special visitations from God are not what make the difference in people loving and following wholeheartedly. Solomon was spoken to personally by God twice, a fact that God himself reminds Solomon of when he's chastised. And unlike Adam and Eve, who had never seen or heard of the effects of sin, Solomon knew full well with all his wisdom. He strikes me as a possible case of 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 15, where he's saved, but all his works are burned away. In the Song of Solomon, we see Solomon as a type of Christ, which makes his rebellion all the more deplorable. It is, in some sense, like Moses striking the rock the second time. Both that and Solomon's rebellion grossly distort the image that God was giving us of himself. Solomon's sin was on a scale so large as to make any further testimony of relationship with God for us rather useless. But still, 
In the King James Version, Solomon's name is mentioned 285 times. Jesus mentions Solomon twice, both putting Solomon in a lesser light, like the lilies are of more splendor and Jesus is much greater. In Nehemiah 13.26, Nehemiah uses King Solomon as a negative example of why he, Nehemiah, is so distressed by the foreign wives some of the people of Israel have. King Solomon is mentioned in the lineage of Joseph, who's married to Mary, the mother of Jesus, but to show that the Messiah isn't through Solomon's physical line, but only through his line of right to the throne through Joseph. Finally, Stephen mentions Solomon the last time in the Bible in Acts 7.47, saying Solomon built God a house. But even there, this is a negative comparison because Stephen goes on to point out that the Most High doesn't dwell in temples made by men, striking a blow to one aspect of the pride of the Jews. And Stephen is stoned right away after this. Throughout, Solomon seems to symbolize the pride of man in all its earthly trappings, the pride that must die to be born again in Christ. That makes some sense of Solomon dying without specific mention of his repentance, though all he wrote indicates a core of faith. Ecclesiastes gives some idea that King Solomon also finally was humble, So based on all of this, it seems likely that we believers will see King Solomon in the New Jerusalem. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 